Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Before we start the pod this week, I just want to give a mention to the Morton Urine Disease Association. The Morton Urine Disease Association are a selected charity uh, for this season. We're trying to raise £3,000 for them. Uh, if you just donate £10, uh, that can help fund uh, an information pack for someone who's just been recently diagnosed with MND. But £750 of your donations is actually funding an expert researcher for a week, and that can help us bring us closer to finding a cure to a terrible disease. Uh, we're very, very close uh, to hitting our target so if you could just donate what you can uh, that would be absolutely amazing but for right now we're going to talk about the win against Wigan the draw against Huddersfield predictions for Preston and answer your podcast questions this is the Bora Breakdown podcast and this is our Bora Match Day Chatter in a pod one support Curtis Fleming is there on the edge of the air Fleming for What's Craig it? Hignett hit it Higgy Higgy hits the track coming alive again. Janino wants the ball played to him. Avanelli spots out. Emerson! Hello and welcome to the Bora Breakdown Podcast with Johnny Dana and Tom. We are the Bora Podcast that gives you all of your Bora Mash Day chatter in a podcast. Well, and a win and a draw this week for Bora. Two unbeaten, if you want to play it that way. Um, Bora 21st in the championship table, just above the relegation places. And this podcast is going to be a show specific on those games. And we'll come and give you guys a video and a podcast on Bora's new manager, which is expected to be expected to be, I don't know, maybe this week, maybe the week after, who knows it is Bora, uh, and we'll do an opposition show this week as well against Preston but guys, I want to know how you feel at the moment about the win and the draw this week, uh, Dana, how are you feeling about Bora in three words? Following on from last week and the mood of, of apathy, I have to say majorly checked out I just wish that the manager would come in like right now. I mean, maybe not mid pod because it would probably skew all of our plans. But I think we just need—I need something to believe in again. I need something to to latch on to and, and attach myself to because I'm feeling a bit detached at the moment. And it really is just apathy. Even though we won on Wednesday, you know, four one, fantastic. I kind of just felt a bit meh. And I still kind of feel a bit meh, to be honest. So, yeah, the the new manager coming in can't come quick enough for me. Majorly checked out my three words. 
Okay, Tom, are you checked out or checked in? <laughs> no, still, I, I'm similar, fairly checked out. I mean, my three words were up and down. Um, <clears throat> but midweek, that game against Wigan, um, but I say, like, watching that, it's not exactly as if, you know, it's the standard way I watch a football match where I'm, like, on the edge of the seat and kicking ed- every ball and stuff like that. I was actually just laid on my sofa watching it. It was quite a chill night and then just <laughs> a fairly uh, fairly relaxed celebration every time we scored. But, no, it was, it was a good win. Um, felt a little bit better after that. And then it just felt massively tired after after yesterday's game. It was just, it wasn't one for the neutrals at all. It was wasn't one for the fans game. of like, either side well, either, to well, be fair. <laughs> just wasn't one for humans. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, if it wasn't for humans, who was it going to be for? It could be robots, it could be animals, or it could be... Yeah, I feel like robots would love that game. Yeah. could be Dyke Steel's yeah. son. Uh, it could be anything. <laughs> um, but, yeah, my three words would be, please believe, Borough. Um, I feel like we're a team that is very short of confidence, and I think both games proved it, to be honest. Uh, I know we The first game we against Wigan, we really grew in the game. You could kind of see the confidence come back. And then yesterday was very safe, slow, not willing to take a risk. And you kind of see that coming. You can hear that, hear it in the crowd as well. And we'll come to that in just a moment. But let's talk about Wigan then, because Boy went to the DW and got the first away win of the season. Uh, Jones, what more Hackney and Akpom uh, give us Borough's, give Borough the win because of their lovely, lovely goals. Um, Dana, how would you assess the performance against Wigan? It was a strange game because I, I thought that 4-1 flattered us, to be honest. We scored through individual errors from defenders like Jack Watmore, Dariqua, and then the goalkeeper Ben Amos for the final two. The first half was what we've seen from Borough this season, slow, pedestrian, playing in front of the opposition. And we were set up with two sixes in Crooks and Housen. And a lot of the time what we saw was they would drop deep into the defensive line and it would offer a lateral pass, but not a forward pass. There weren't any third man runners to penetrate that Wigan back line or play through the thirds. And we just, it was very predictable what we were doing. Yes, we had a lot of possession, but there just wasn't a lot to go with it. There was there was no incisive play, to be honest. And yes, we got that equaliser. And that equaliser, to be honest, boosted that performance up from, from poor to bang average, but we still weren't great. And then in the second half, we switched Hackney with Crooks, put Crooks into that more advanced uh, sort of number 10 position. I think that helped because it pushed Borough up a few yards and pushed Wigan back a few yards because Crooks was getting into the box a lot more. And yeah, we, I think, to be honest, what summed up Wigan was probably Jack Watmore because I thought before he made that mistake for the equaliser just before half time, he was he was good. I thought defensively he was solid, and then he just completely collapsed in his performance after that. He got megged for the second goal from Watmore, um, Duncan Watmore that was, and it kind of their performance collapsed uh, after that. So you you have to say you have to point out that a lot of our goals, in fact, all four of our goals came about because of mistakes. But then on the flip side, you could say that it was great anticipation from what more, don't go what more, <laughs> to be able to, to to seize upon those opportunities. So we, you could say we created our own luck, but we did get a huge slice of it thanks to Wigan. So I was never getting too carried away because of that performance, um, because of that result. But still, it was good that we won that game because, uh, yeah, <laughs> a long time coming. 
It was, it was indeed. And you know, what more could you want? There's two of them on the pitch, and it was very, very confusing when I think the commentator at one point said, "What more's taken on what more?" And I was just like, mm. "Oh my god!" There's like Spider-Man meme, like I was pointing, pointing at each other. Um, but Tom, although Board did get a, a big slice of luck, um, you know, with the mistakes, how big of a win was it for Bora? Because the first one on the road, finally. Uh, to be honest, I, I think it just ended up in the short term being a lot smaller than I thought it was going to be. Um, as Dana was saying there, like we really kind of uh, grew into the game as it went on, um, and you know we, we got the got the four goals of a massive win away from home, and you just thought, right, this might be something we can kick on from. We got Huddersfield on Saturday who were. Uh, you know, doing absolutely dreadful at the moment. We we should be able to kind of kick on, on from there. And then I said we were positive for about the first 20, 25 minutes against Huddersfield, and then it just kind of flattened out. And it, it just felt like, not that it undid everything on Wednesday, because it was still a, an important three points, but I don't know, it, in terms of confidence and, and, and that kind of attack and drive, it was just kind of like, all right, back to normal now. Um, but... I mean, in terms of getting away, when it, it should be better in terms of like getting more confidence for for the players from that win. You know, we've got four goals, which we haven't done all season. So it should have been bigger than it was. And hopefully it will be kind of longer term. Hopefully, you know, we've got a Preston next week and, and turn them over 1-0. Or, well, it, it's going to be 1-0 in there because they don't, <laughs> don't concede and they don't score. But... Yeah, ho- hopefully it can it can do wonders for us on on the uh, on on the roads, but it just didn't do anything in the short term. What you were saying there, Tom, actually, is probably why I didn't get so I don't know overconfident about Borough after the game against Wigan. Why I didn't get too high after that result because there's just a certain acceptance that we will take that step back and. Although it wasn't a defeat yesterday against um, Huddersfield, I almost forgot who we were playing there. That's how zoned out I was in that game. Um, but it it kind of just felt like it, this is just Borough now. This is just what Borough are. They're an inconsistent side, and this is what we've got to get used to because it's gonna it's gonna continue to happen. The only thing that is in, uh, the only thing is consistent is our inconsistency. Um... Very much so. <laughs> Yeah, and, and look, I think when we, we chat about like the win against Wigan, I actually thought at the time I thought it was a massive win for us. To be honest. I thought, oh, finally, you know, we've got the we, we've got off our back now and we can hopefully just kick on a little bit more. And and I thought Borough really grew into the game against against Wigan. You know, when we when I was watching it and we went behind with a set piece and we'll come up that in a second, but I thought, oh god, here we go again. Like I'm falling out of football again. <laughs> I can't watch this anymore. And then the one big moment in the game was that that Borough's equaliser. It was a big, it was a big slip. It was a big error, and I think Borough capitalised on it. And it was the first time that we've really had a big error um, go in our favour. And actually, we've we've went on to 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 score. And then we were like, "Wow, we can do, we can actually do this." And the second goal was another error, really. And then we've done it again. And I felt like that was just like Borough finally coming back. This is the team I remember. You know, we were on the front foot. Good in possession, I think. Although we were, you were saying that then, like laterally to uh, uh, at times, like drop when they were dropping in, but it felt like we were taking more of a risk with the play in the last twenty five minutes, and we were we were willing to get forward, we were willing to press harder, we were willing to get the extra run and win the second ball. And I thought, 
this team just needs a bit of confidence or an arm around them or, or something because once it does go our way, we can prove that we're a good side. But when it doesn't go our way, we just become a shell and it's very, very difficult and to, to really kick on from that because for me now, I think it's just more of a psychological issue rather than an actual physical issue because you could see in the touches yesterday, you could see the touches in the first half against Wigan, things were very flat, very poor and also this didn't want to really progress and it comes from mistakes and another mistake again tom it was another set piece Borough actually joint third for uh for set pieces conceded but there's another five teams that have conceded six set pieces uh this season only bristol city conceded 10 by the way <laughs> uh 10 oh, set pieces Jesus. so um and hull have got seven um they're just above us but then Borough are third with that but is it a concern, Tom, that we are leaking goals from set pieces in these moments and it's happening time and time again? I think it is, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm glad we didn't concede any against Huddersfield because, um, you know, that going off the opposition show last week, Brady told us that that was one of their strengths, which, you know, it's one of our weaknesses. So I was fully expecting them to, to exploit that at the Riverside. But um their tactic of trying to score directly from the corners didn't end up working, which was uh, a bit of a relief because it, it did look dangerous at times. But it, it is a bit of a um, bit of a concern that it keeps happening. Um, so hopefully, when the new head coach comes in, um, that is something that they can can kind of rectify because um, the players we have. Uh, you know, in, in defence and some of the you know the height we have in the team, whether it's you know strikers or midfielders, we shouldn't be getting beat on on set pieces as much as we are. Yeah, uh, we shouldn't, and it feels like there's a, sl- a like a pattern slowly coming in with with Borough set piece because I feel like well, was, I think we said on the last podcast, I think Danny, you mentioned it that Borough are very keen to run to the front post, uh, especially on set pieces, and I feel like we anticipate. That that that's the the first post that going to be hitting. Maybe like you said, maybe because we never hit the front man, but <laughs> uh, first man. But it's uh, but I think secondly, like I think it's a case of Borough very. I think they're trying to mix a mixture of of man man marking and also zonal at the same time. I feel like you got to pick one or the other. I think sometimes because mm. I don't think we're good enough to do zonal, but I think man marking might help us. But then it comes to accountability and can we do it? How many people? How many times have we seen? McNair or someone lose the man and they get the chance and I think it's just a lot of things that we need to work on especially for the new head coach to come in and, and do that as well but I want to talk about Hayden Hackney for a second Dana because you know he came in the sides uh, when Leo's t- taken over and he scored his first goal it was a great goal to be fair and yes he does get a bit of luck but you know it's hit the back of the net it's a joyous moment for anyone especially someone who's from Teesside to, to score your first Borough goal but how do you think he's adapted to championship football because he seems to have, have grown in grown in his performances yeah, I think the best thing with Hackney is he doesn't look out of place in it. And I mentioned, what was it, last podcast, that I'm not getting overexcited about him. You can do that a lot of the time with a young player, especially a young player from the academy. But then that was also me saying that he's not been bad. You know, I'm not, I'm not criticising him. I just feel like he's been all right. But I think there's definitely praise to be in the fact that I don't think he's looked out of place. He is a ball carrier and that's something that we don't have in this team. So in terms of skill set, you're looking at probably him and Riley McGree, who I'm really frustrated with Riley McGree because I think he can offer a lot more than what he's doing, but I think we'll probably speak about him a little bit later on, maybe or in a different podcast. But yeah, I mean, Hackney is somebody that I do want to see more of. It was a shame to see him dropped yesterday because what's Alex Moyet done in this team to get back into it? 
I don't know, maybe it was tactical because they had Jack Radoni, who I think is a good player, um, another player with a good uh, skill set, a creative ball carrier, somebody that uh, has worked his way up from from Wimbledon. Um, maybe it was just a case of marshalling a little bit better defensively. But yeah, when he came on, he had a good few moments where he was trying to get past players and unfortunately he was running into into brick walls, um, which I think is is testament to the setup that Huddersfield had. But I do want to see more of Hayden Hackney. I think, as I said, between him and Riley McGree, those two could give a little bit extra, that 1% difference of maybe improvement in midfield. Talk to me about Riley McGree, Dan, and why do you think he's... Why is he frustrating you at the moment? Because I think... We talk about skill set there. I think Riley McGree, and we saw it last season, particularly there was a that, that ball for Aaron Connolly's chance against Swansea last season where he hit the post and we're all thinking, my God, Connolly, you are shocking. That was a fantastic ball from Riley McGree and something that he is capable of. He can, you know, those little delicate dinks over the top, the reverse passes, the 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 passes that break the lines, he's capable of that. He's been a victim of his positioning this season because playing him as a number 10 just didn't work. I know why we were trying to do it because in pre-season we didn't have a lot of striker options so we had to compensate for that by bringing in a number 10 in the formation with a a 3-5-1-1 rather than a 3-5-2. It doesn't suit him. He's somebody that I think can carry the ball, can dribble with it. And when you dribble with it, it's not rocket science. You attract other players to you and it opens up space elsewhere. I think that's what Randy McGree can do, but he hasn't really played consistently in a number eight position. I want to see him deeper. I don't want to see him as a number 10. I wish we would scrap the... Um, the experiment of of a set and specialised number 10. You could maybe get away with two number 10s, but definitely not one and definitely not Riley McGree as the one. I want to see him deeper because I do think he can affect the game a lot more there. But I think I said on tease a few after the Millwall game, he's a bit of a myth at the moment, unfortunately, and he needs to step up. I do think he can because I do think he's a good player and he was good at, at Birmingham. I don't think we've helped him out in terms of positioning. I think when you when the, when you watch him, he's definitely like a half space type player, isn't he? Like you know, yeah, he's he wants to be a bit more half space centrally, and then also when you watch him as well, I think it's like a it's like a, kind of like a quarter. He plays in a bit of a quarter of a pitch, doesn't he? Like between probably mm. the box and the centre circle, really. And you think, right, you're going to be really key in these moments, but you just need to. It's either two things. I think you got you either have more restriction on him and make him play in certain moments in games. Or you just let him off the leash and say, right, free roam, do what you need to do, come in and out when you need to. Um, and until I, I don't know. I, I think that you said it, it is a bit of a myth, but I, I can't see either how you get the best out of him at the moment. But he was like, you are right. He has a really good skill set, and I think he is a very good player. I think it's just a case of could it be confidence? Could it be the mullet he's trying to grow? Um, <laughs> or could it, or, or could it, or could it be just a case of we just need to. <laughs> get a position for him but like it could be do you know how uh, maybe a comparison but remember Nicky Bailey like many moons ago but he yes. came in as he came in as a number 10 right mm. uh Gordon Strachan played him left wing for the first game which I could not believe <laughs> um but uh we played him in more of like obviously deep line playmaker under under Morbury really he was kind of that setup where you would get Borough forward and maybe if you play a double pivot that might help him a bit more 
because then you're able I to kind say of agree. Who, who goes and who doesn't. And even mm. Max agrees as well because his, his bell of his, of his that, um, yeah, the <laughs> bell of his collar starts ringing there. So if Max agrees, we all agree. <laughs> um, but Tom, I think we talk about formation change as well, and we talk about double pivots and or if we want to move into a four-two-three-one system, which you know Carrick could do if he was to come in and, and change that system, but. Bora did play four at the back and have played four at the back against Wigan. You know, we see it in the, the game prior to that and then also against Huddersfield. Um, have you seen anything in terms of the changes of play as we've moved into this formation? I think, weirdly, we look more solid with it. Um, with Fry and Lennon as the centre-backs rather than having a, a back three. Uh, I can't quite put my finger on why, but I have noticed that both Fry and Lennon are taking the kind of more old-fashioned centre-back if in doubt, hoovered out type uh, thing. Like if it's going down uh, down either channel, uh, they're moving over to cover the fullbacks quite well, and then often putting it out for for throw-ins, um, which seems to be working better. I'm not fully convinced on playing a back four with Giles at left back. Um, personally, I think if we were going to play a back four, I'd rather Bowler was there and Giles was a bit further up. Um, because, you know, as was mentioned earlier, he is probably our most attacking threat. Um, so having Jones played further up on the right and having him at left back, it does seem to, to nullify him a lot more. Um, so I, I'd personally play him further up and, and play bowler in, in that back four if, if we keep going with it. Um, but I've seen enough from, from the back four now to to think defensively for some reason it's working better than a five so um happy to stick with it from from here on out i'm not saying kind of rip rip up everything we've done for the last couple of years or anything like that because i think it still has to be a certain style of play um so i think when the new head coach comes in if, if that is carrick it still needs to 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 play a certain way um but that back four is is now looking more and more of an option which I think even under under Warnock and, and Woodgate, it was always looking better as a five. Uh, so, like I said, for some reason, something's changed now uh, and, and a four is looking the, the better option. I think tactical flexibility, like in-game, is like becoming more and more common as we see it now. And I think the way Borough can transition to different formations should be something that they maybe, maybe need to start doing a little bit more. I think we're very stuck, we're very stuck positionally, and I think it makes us become very static where you see better teams, they are fluid in the ball and transition and where well, I don't think we do with that. And when you're saying over the four as well, we do look more we do we look like we have more of a solid base on, on that. But I do think a three is probably more viable for us just the way I think with the players that we have. But also I've noticed that we're very lopsided on the right hand side now that we've put Jones further up and Giles further back. And yeah, I think you spot on there, Tom. I think you should, if Baller was to come in put him in left back but Giles as, as a winger um, because I think to have your most creative player now in a more defensive position I think that made things really difficult yesterday and we couldn't break down Huddersfield because of it um, and we'll come to that in just a moment but Dan have you seen anything as well with the back four have you, is there anything that you can see that Borough can potentially improve on the back four not really but as a as a package the four three three we are going to get stuck. Let's not forget the first half against Wigan. Yes, the second half was completely different because we scored three. But the first half, as I said, we just didn't have the penetration. We didn't have the movement. And I think 
any formation can work if you have the right players to to suit it. And for me, I think we have a a team, and we certainly built a, a team in the summer that suits the three at the back. But that midfield with both of the formations and probably any formation is a big, big problem. The lack of movement off the ball is crippling us, to be honest. And it reminds me of the the latter days under Neil Warnock, where I remember watching us against Reading and there was nothing in midfield. We might as well have not had any options there. And that, to be honest, I, I said about Hayden Hackney and Ronnie McGree there, I think that January can't come soon enough for Borough because we need somebody else in. I think internally, there's only so long that we can wait for Riley McGree to, to enter the party, to be honest. And he, Hayden Hackney, you know, he's a great potential. He's got great potential. But the fact that he's getting in the team instead of the likes of, of Moore and McGree and then coming on for Moore yesterday is a damning indictment of those two players. So the midfield is a big problem, no matter what formation we play, because I just don't think that the options that we have right now are performing anywhere near mm. good enough. And and yeah, I can't wait for the for the January transfer window so that we can sort that out. Tom, who was your your so you the back four there? We're looking more steady over the base. Who would be your your back two centre backs if, if when Clark does come back? Still at the moment, Fry and Lenan. Uh, yeah. I think they're they're working quite well together, um, and I, I, I quite like as well the experience of Smith on, on the right-hand side. Um, bearing in mind, he is still an attacking uh, fullback and, and can overlap and, and help Jones and stuff like that. He just seems a little bit better defensively than than Jones is. Um, as I mentioned earlier, Bowler would do the same thing on the left-hand side. But I think even though Clark's left-footer, uh, Fry and Lenahan are working well together. And obviously, we, we heard on the... Um, uh, the voice notes from Derby and West Brom fans when we signed Clark, he is better in a free. Um, as Dana mentioned, there we are set up as a as a team to to play a free. So you know, if he does come back and and we need to to kind of pivot back to that, I think he slots in next to to Fry and Lenahan. Um, but if we carry on with the four, I don't think Fry or Lenahan have done anything to get dropped for Clark at the moment. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, 
but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Okay, then. Uh, well, do you want to chat about Huddersfield? Oh, no? do we have to? Do? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, look, Huddersfield came with town sitting in uh, 24th uh, position, and it's the first time we've drawn against Huddersfield uh, since the 22nd of October 2019. So how spooky uh, was that? Because only one day, <laughs> innit? Um, but, Tom, you said at the start of the show that you were very tired um, watching it. Um, so we had 60% possession, two shots on target. Um, but how would you assess it? Uh, boring, tiring. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it was slowly, I, I thought the first 20, 25 minutes, we did look positive. It looked like we carried straight on from the Wigan game. We were trying to get at them. Uh, and it only looked like one team was going to score at that point. But what was really frustrating about that game yesterday, I thought, was the fact that you could tell Huddersfield w- would be absolutely buzzing with a point and a clean sheet. Because mm. every time we got the ball, they had 10 men behind it. And it, it reminds me a lot of those those games kind of under, under Karanka where we'd have a team coming just trying to get a point um, and, you know, we'd have to try and try and try to break them down. Um, MK Dons at home that that promotion season is the kind of example that always sticks in my mind for that because it took us till what, the 75th minute to to break them down. Uh, I think it was Shiri Downing that scored and then they had to actually try to, you know, attack and then we got another one and I feel like it would have been the same case yesterday. I can only really remember three uh, chances from Huddersfield, uh, not counting the times they tried to score directly from the corners. Um, and, you know, one of them was, you know, uh, Stefan fumbling it back out to them and then made uh, another excellent save on, on the double, which he shouldn't have had to make, but I'm, I'm glad he did. Um other than that, they didn't really offer a lot. Um, and it, it just seemed like it was the same thing every time we went forward, pass it from side to side, try and create an angle for a cross. Cross gets cut out. The whole process starts again. Um, mm. It's um, it's just one of those games. It, it's never a fun one to watch. Um, not one for the neutrals, not one for the fans or the anything robot. like that. All the, all the robots. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was just an extremely boring game to watch yesterday. Is it a concern, Tom, that we couldn't break them down? Um, yeah, to, to me it is. I think if you're going to be a, a possession-based team, you need to know how to use the ball well in that situation. And, uh, you know, what what just comparing it back to that uh, MK Dons game again for a second, what we did well with the ball at that time was make the opponent kind of chase the ball and tire them out. Um so it gets to a point around 70 minutes in where they're flagging and we've used the ball quite well, so we have energy to spare. And it doesn't look like we have that that kind of same level of uh, tactical intelligence with, with the ball at the moment. Um, it's just, like I said, the same thing every time when we go forwards and there were more opportunities in that game for, for Huddersfield to hit us on the counter-attack. Just I thought we cut it out quite well with a high line at times. But, um, yeah, you need, if you're that type of team, you need to to be able to 
preserve your energy, be patient, and kind of hit them in the right moments. And it's it's not something we're good at doing at the moment. So on that as well, Dana, why do you think we? I want to ask you why we didn't break Huddersfield down. Tom thinks it's more of a concern, and you know we didn't use possession well enough. But why do you think that we weren't able to break Huddersfield down down either? I think a lot of it probably filters into bad decision making because we had a few opportunities to get the ball in the box and we just didn't. But having said that, I did notice in the first half we counterattacked and I looked at the midfield trying to get forward and I wouldn't even say they were trying, to be honest. I mean, you had Alex Mort there towing and Eddie Stoppart and then in the second half it happened again where they're, they're so slow and pedestrian getting into the box. And one of the things that we identified and acknowledged under Wilder was how many players we were getting when we were into the into the final third, how many players we were getting into the box. And I looked yesterday, there was like one or two. They weren't, you know, breaking their necks to try to get in there and try to seize upon the possession that we had. And maybe that was just because they knew that what the plan was was to recycle possession because it did kind of feel like the the latter part of the the wilder era or to be honest the wilder era in general where we were recycling possession and we only really kind of took that risk when that risk was talk about percentages more likely to land in uh, a chance for borough so <laughs> bad decision making i think was the, the the big part of it because yes what does feel so well but I don't think they they set up perfectly that we couldn't break mm. them down. It was just ourselves shooting ourselves in the foot in in uh, by the way of not gambling, not taking chances, and not quickening the tempo when it needed to be. I agree with what Tom said about the first twenty minutes. It looked like we were on it. You know, their their left wing back was getting toasted by uh, by Zaya Jones and Paddy McNair. There were some really good combinations on that right hand side. And then I think they got a corner and it just, the momentum swung completely. And we never, ever put our foot back on the pedal after that, unfortunately. And bad decision-making for me. Um, pass selection was off. There were so many times where Tommy Smith could have got it into the box. He just decided to pass it back to Jones. And then Jones was, his crossing is incredibly poor anyway. Um, but yeah, it was, it was mind-numbingly boring and dull and, I'm still kind of zoning out thinking about that game because yeah. it was awful. It was, was really, say, really bad. Yeah, I was going to say, if, if, if a, key, a moment to describe the game was at kickoff where we kicked it to Alex Morton, he sliced out for a throw. <laughs> uh, that was that was probably the, the definition of that game. But <sighs> there was a couple of things which Borough did yesterday, which was really frustrating. And it was kind of saying around possession. And when you do have possession, you want to play with possession with intent. So you're always looking to try and, either it's laterally or, or vertically, you are trying to get the ball forward and hit it with tempo because that, that's how you stretch games. Because when you are attacking, it's all about to expand, expanding the pitch, isn't it? You're trying to stretch this lower block at which Huddersfield came into. And you're trying to pull them out of position and get your bodies forward. And you can do that what you're saying there, Dana. You, you can do that by bringing your midfield forward. Or you can try and get two V1s out wide and then try to get people in the box with that way. But what board, what was one big thing yesterday which really was frustrating was when Huddersfield did go forward and when they did try and get the ball, uh, cross the ball in, Stefan was able to catch it. But then once he caught it, Stefan, very and credit to him as well, had the ball and he was quick to release it. Distribution was really good. With that, Borough got the ball forward. It was straight to Jones and then Jones would look at it and then pass to Smith. And then Smith, uh, Smith will pass to Fry. And then by the time we did that, Huddersfield were back in the shape and you've got to start all that all over again. So then the possession side of things becomes really difficult because when someone's back in that low block, it's really difficult to break down at times. And especially when you don't have the quality 
in terms of or, or not so quality is probably not the right word, but confidence to to really get forward and trying to make something happen. That's how you break these teams down. And you know, th- there is quality in this team, and you can see at times. But for me, I think the lack the lack it significantly at the moment, and it's 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 very noticeable. And I feel like the fans can sense that frustration as well. And you know. For me, I want to ask you the question: Like, are Borough lacking in confidence? Because it in twenty first in, in the table, results haven't really gone the way so far this season. It, it surely must be playing on the Borough's mind, Tom, that we're not doing as well as we we should be this season. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. And you know, I feel like Wilder probably has to take a fair amount of the blame for that as well. Uh, from from you know what he was doing when he was here, but he's not here anymore now. The players need to to turn it around themselves because we keep saying it, but we know they're good enough. Like we've seen them do it on paper. We've improved on what we had last season, um, so there's there's no reason why they can't be playing the same way they were last season. Um, it, it's going to take someone to kind of step up and motivate them. Whether that's you know coming from within and it's you know, Lenahan or or House or someone to to uh, kind of really drive that um, uh, that motivation for them, or whether or not that that's going to be a new head coach coming in, which you know I think it should be that that is their job to do. But um, you know, if the likes of Carrick comes in with with a new coaching team, as I said last week. This is going to be uh, the first kind of big job for them to do is is fire the team up and 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 get them confident again. Yeah, um, I think like with that as well, like with, with the confidence side of things, it's just a case of it's probably more than just like it, it's more than just the probably armor on the shoulder job as well. It's kind of instilling that from day one as well, isn't it? It is a case yeah. of trying to write. Okay, we are in this position. Can we try and can we try and get this first win back? Can we try and get this first point back? Can we try and get this? I don't know. Win the second ball. Like little key moments in games, isn't it? Where you try and think, how can we build this performance up even more and try and get us playing again? Because I don't think we are doing that at times. I think it's just a case of okay, yeah, we've got the ball, the ball, the fans aren't really saying anything, but let's just play it safe anyway and let's just hope for the best. And yes, that is probably one of the first things that our manager needs to do is to kind of say, create well, one, create an environment where it's it's probably, you're willing to try and take a risk because they're not, not doing it at the moment. But then secondly, it's like trying and still like, let's just keep trying to do it. And if you get punished for it, you get punished for it, but keep trying to do it. Um, but like the, what the difference between success and failure in football is so marginal, isn't it? And it, it must be built on them. But then Dana as well, like, I want to talk to you about a player cause, who looks bang out of it at the moment um, in Paddy McNair. And we had a question from Daniel as well, and he said, what has happened to Paddy McNair? And a lot of fans as well are questioning him at the moment. He just seems to be a player that is just a shell of himself at the moment. I think if you look on average, like he's played, what, a game a week. If you look at a calendar year, I think he's played over like fifty something games. I think in the calendar year. Thanks for thanks for nabbing my point there, Johnny. I was did just that, to that. Well, hey, it's a lot in my notes, Dana. I will just like to say my point. <laughs> no I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> uh, but I'm assuming. Well, what, what do you think, Paddy McNair? What, what's going on? Yeah, no, it's good that you mention it because I think from a from a human level, I wouldn't be surprised if he's just burnt out. 
mentally and physically, he played 61 games in 2019-20. And I know that obviously there was a COVID break there, but it's not really the respite that you normally see after a season because it, it breaks up the routine. You're suddenly having to train in your own homes because you can't go out because of the, the, the I was going to say the plague there, um, <laughs> the pandemic. I mean, am I wrong? It was a plague or oh, it is a plague. Um, and then you're having to go back into the season. And I remember when Ian Barclough just kept playing him consistently, starting him for Northern Ireland after he started about, well, it felt like about, 10 games in a week for us prior to the international break and then he's played 56 games the season after that as well so that is an awful lot of games I mean 61 games in a season is incredible for a, you know for a championship player I know obviously the season is um much more in terms of fixtures in the Premier League but that that is a crazy amount of games and people will say yeah well they get played to play football but they're not robots they're not machines they're not mechanical beings they're they're people at the end of the day and I think you know our, our friend Luke Watford Luke um put up a, a few stats and whatnot about um Deli Alley playing the x amount of games before the age of 21 obviously that's different in terms of its narrative but I guess the the um the theme of that is that there is a drop-off in performances because of burnout and I honestly wouldn't be surprised if Paddy McNair is that I, I don't believe for a second that he suddenly become a bad player because of natural career progression I genuinely feel like the guy's just just burnt out and mm. the fitness guys all know at Middlesbrough whether that whether or not that's the case but you can't account for the the mental fatigue as well so yeah I think the guy's just fatigued I think it's compounded as well I think I don't think it's just last season or like the, the games that you mentioned there I think if you're looking back, I think a couple of seasons, I think he's played like 40, he played pretty much every game of two seasons prior. And then he played like 43, this is league games. So I'm not, I'm not including like uh, international or, or cup games where I think he played a significant amount the, the year after. And then he's played this, like this gun back on the year, which is like what, 50, 60 games. So I think it's a lot of football, but it's, it's difficult, isn't it? I think how, how much of a break can you, give him because obviously I think the, the the winter break this year for like the World Cup will probably benefit him to some extent but then also like how can we try to manage that even more but yeah it is a lot of football it is a lot of football but then you can also say oh well professional football needs to be fit but also probably the demand each game I don't think we realise like how much it can affect someone because you are what running like six to seven kilometres per game really and then you've got the added trend on top of that. And the games that we don't know about, so that we mm. do play a lot of friendlies behind closed doors. Um, and then also like training games, intensity, maybe it could be a fatigue issue, but it does seem that he just, he just, just seem like he's, he's pretty off at the moment. Definitely not the player that we'd, we'd seen a, a couple of seasons ago, but let's be a bit more positive and go to the present place because the present place is the place. Let's give praise to a chips and gravy person or a tattooist for you, Dana, um, a staff member, a Borough player, um, or even Tom's Roma shirt uh, from when Borough played in, uh, in the UEFA Cup. So who gets your nomination for the present place this week? Uh, Tom, you can go first with that lovely shirt. Yeah, I mean, it's a uh, match-worn Shabani Nanda shirt, uh, which gets my <laughs> nomination this week. Uh, only ever been worn at the Olympic Stadium and goals on a Tuesday night, so <laughs> something, to, uh, something to brag about there. But no, I mean, sacred for, places for me, there, sacred. Yeah, two, two places equally uh, <laughs> sacred. Um, 
Serious though, for, for me with the um, the Borough team, I think Hayden Hackney deserves a place in the present place this week. Um, I think as as Dana said earlier, not the kind of jump on on the kind of hype train too quickly. He hasn't looked out of place. He's done all right, and you know, very very happy he got that uh, that goal on um, Wednesday night against Wigan. Um, I think just the fact that he hasn't looked out of place for me is uh, is is a big enough deal in itself. I watched him against Barnsley earlier in the season in the cup game. I believe he was playing the Johnny Housen role at that point, though. And I was looking at him thinking he's still a while off the, the first team, um, especially if we won him in that role. Um, mm. But, you, you know, I think at that point, there was a few kind of physical battles he... He wasn't even getting involved in in, in that game, uh, but you could tell there was something there in terms of his ball carrying and his uh, his passing. And then he's just brought all the positives from that uh, into the first team now, and and like I say, doesn't look out of place and deserves his place in there after the last few games. So uh, well done to him. And also, I would say Duncan Watmore. Um, I think he's done really well this week. Look quite positive uh, going forward. He seems to have found another gear um, in in playing. He's, he's deserved the uh, the starts he's been getting. Uh, where I think a lot of people would say he's an impact sub, and I think in in most cases I would have agreed. But at the moment he's he's doing it from the start, and you know that, that's that's all you can kind of really ask for um, from from your strikers. Okay, uh, Dana, who are you going to go for? I'd go for one more as well because I know I said that all of our goals came about because of a huge slice of luck, but it's the anticipation from Watmore to be able to still make that run, even though he's probably thinking the defender's going to get to it. It's that endeavour and that just kind of taking a risk, taking a chance and, and still trying to create something and um, and get onto the ball. So I think definitely Duncan Watmore. And he started well on Saturday, as did all the team. Um, I guess, but then they faded completely. But yeah, I have to praise Watmore because I've said many times on this podcast that I think Watmore should probably be moved on now. So credit where it's due. I think he has been good. And it, to be honest, he's our most um, effective forward right now. So you have to give him credit for that. And then I'll probably throw Dale Fry in there because yesterday was a game where Dale Fry just got his head on everything. And I mean, yes, yeah, set pieces were the main threat. But defensively, I didn't think he put a foot wrong. The only thing with Fry that I would like to see is him becoming more of a threat from attacking the set pieces. And it's something that many managers have said throughout his Middlesbrough career. He's just, it's it's what he's missing, I think. And obviously, yeah, you can say, well, he's a defender, he defends, he does that well. But I'd just like to see a little bit more in terms of attacking those set pieces, getting his head on, you know, uh, crosses into the box and becoming more of a goal threat from those situations. But what more and Fry for me, and maybe Zach Steffen as well, because although there was that massive trampoline that was on his chest for one of those shots, um, he is building and that is uh, very good. And he he went full Ted Lasso after the game by saying, um, kick some butt. So I'm going to put him in the praise of place for that quote alone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I felt I felt very motivated after I listened to Zach Steffen in the post post match uh, interview. To be honest, I felt like he was going to sell me into a pyramid scheme, and I would have just done it anyway. <laughs> like afterwards, um, but he, he, yeah, I feel like praise and place. It should be called the Zach Steffen praise and place, just because he's just so positive about everything. So maybe we brand it as that. Um, and 
yeah, I think Watmore for me as well. I think Watmore probably deserves the 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 praise and place uh, nomination for the week. I think he's been really good uh, this week and be, definitely been most effective player as well. So, um, yeah, he deserves the the place for me in the Zach Steffen praise and place. Um, so let's move on to questions then, because each week you can send us questions via Twitter or email at the board break on hotmail.com or join our Telegram chat with over 300 Borough fans talking anything but Borough and maybe sometimes a little bit of bore and a bit of frustration here and there. Uh, but the first question is from Ryan. He says, uh, Bore Breakdown, how have we gone from tactically outplaying Wigan to sitting deep against Huddersfield, looking goal shy and scared of the opposition? I think we kind of alluded to it a, a little bit earlier on um, where we were saying about Bora probably struggling with confidence, lateral passes, like not really trying to get forward in that static play. I think it's kind of been the the difference really. And obviously I think confidence is probably the most important part of football or one of the most important, important things. And I just think we're lacking it at the moment. And hopefully we can rediscover that when a new manager comes in and we can get going again. But the next question um, is from Jonathan. He says, by going to a back four, are we losing two of our most effective players? Uh, creative players in Giles and Jones. Giles looks far less of a threat left back in a four and Jones can't cross well enough to be an out-and-out winger. Uh, Tom, we'll come back to that. What do you think? Um, I, I think we are playing the current lineup, but like I said earlier, I think if we were to play Giles further up, it does kind of alleviate that. I don't think we need Jones to, to cross uh, particularly because I think we all know that that is not well, that's, that's one of his weaknesses. I wasn't saying not his strength, but that doesn't even kind of do it justice. Um, his strength is getting to the byline and playing a very kind of low cross across the face of goal for someone to tap in. Um, so we need him doing that. And I think to to be able to do that, we do need uh, a very different threat on the other side, which I think Giles does offer. Um I think if you were going to play a four-three-three, you'd need someone like Akpom or Muniz in the middle to to be able to to get onto those. Probably more Muniz because he is more physical, but you need the midfield getting involved as well. Which, as Dana mentioned earlier, they're just not doing at the moment. Um, but I don't think it's a problem with necessarily the back four um, making them less effective. I think it's just the the current lineup. I think you you put Baller and you move um, Giles further up, and and that nearly solves that problem. Um it just if you got got a game like yesterday where people are tripling up on, on Jones all the time and it, you know his, his decision making wasn't the best yesterday and that he, he kept kind of taking people on and losing it. Um then you're not going to see the best out of Jones. But let's say if you if you kind of balance that out for, for both wings, I think it um lessens the chance of that happening. Okay then. And the next question uh, is from Stuart. He says, have things gotten so bad that Carrick coming in and finishing 7th to 10th would be a success? Uh, Dana Malt, let's let, let you take that one. I think it would be a success anyway, to be honest, because Carrick is a new, or will be a new manager. Uh, and it'll be, well, yeah, I would say it's, it's completely alien to him because although he's had that coaching stint at Manchester United, it wasn't really one with longevity. And also it's a completely different kettle of fish to be in the hot seat at the helm at a football club. So I think it would be a success anyway to finish between 7th and 10th. But also the championship is so poor this season. And I think it, it was crap last year, I thought, but even more so this year because I know everyone always says that anyone could beat anyone. It's the whole cliche around the championship. But 
I genuinely feel like even Huddersfield, rock bottom of the championship, could probably go on and do a, a forest from last season. I think it's so open. And a run of like two or three good results could probably put you into the top to top 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 six, maybe. So I think it would be a success. But yeah, I completely understand the kind of I guess the subtext of what, what Stuart's saying there, um, how bad it's got yeah it's been it's been poor hasn't it and I was looking at the top of the championship and I haven't really looked at the top of the championship all season because we haven't been able to because Bora haven't been involved in it and I'm looking at the teams and I'm thinking okay yeah kind of usual suspects there I suppose in Norwich Sheffield United even Luton from last season but yeah we we would do well to to finish in the top half based on what we've seen but having said that, this team, I still maintain the belief that this team will change and it will get better. We just need that external appointment, to, you know, Carrick to come in. And we'll see how we go. But as I said earlier, I think this is what we're on now. Get used to it. Inconsistent. We'll have some good highs, some decent highs. We'll have some incredibly low lows. But we've just got to stick it out and hope that this is a, a project to be built on. We're a tale of two boroughs. Uh, the ne- next and final question is from Carl, and he says, is this year's forward line any better than Spora, Balogun, and Connolly? Um, like, give me a yes or no answer on this. Uh, Tom, what do you think? I want to say yes, uh, just because I feel like Connolly brings last year down so much. <laughs> um, I think Sparar and Balogun uh, were both decent. Uh, unfortunately, Balogun's went on this season to to probably being put now even better uh, product than he was for for Borough last season. Um, but I, I still think you know what what we've got up front at the moment, uh, and even with our uh, development strikers, um, it, it, it is better than. <laughs> better than what we had last season. I think we just need to to actually start using them and you know not playing strikers on the wing when they come on or from the start and stuff like that. To be fair, Balogun would have would have suited yesterday because he's technically a left winger by trade and then likes to cut in, so that could have potentially worked. Um, but I think Balogun's the only one I'd probably have back out of the three. Mm. I think. Uh, but Same. Anyway, Dennett, what do you think? Is it better or worse? I think it's better. Um, yeah, Connolly was shocking, wasn't he? Let's be honest. Connolly is one of those players where, you know, when people say don't judge a player until they've played for your club, Aaron Connolly is case in point that you absolutely can't judge a player before they play for your club because, he'll, my goodness, he was bad. Um, I mean, he's not even the worst striker that I've seen play for Borough. That's how bad it is with, with us in strikers. But yeah, um, Sparrow just fell off a cliff, didn't he? And Balogun. I think the right player at the wrong time, probably. But I, I mean, I like the strike force. It's just that we don't have that kind of established goal scorer necessarily. We've sort of jumped on these players before they've blossomed into that. But I do think we need somebody alongside that that gives that nice blend between somebody that's more of an established goal scorer, not necessarily an experienced player per se, but somebody that may be coming off the back of a very good season in League One, for example, um, or even in the Championship, like we saw with Emil Reese, um, alongside what we have now. But yeah, I think I, I like Tuba. I like uh, the physicality of him and, and Muniz, uh, force. Yeah, playing force on the wing yesterday was just good grief yeah I wasn't a big fan of that and then god knows where is Matthew Hoppy has anyone seen him recently because I don't know where the guy's gone but um Mm. I think there's enough there in Mooney's at Pom and Force for it to be 
better than the three of last season. Not by much, but I still think it is better. Okay, then. Yeah, and, and just on that... And what more think... as well. I forgot about what more yeah. there. Sorry, what more? <laughs> uh, I was going to say, yeah, I think with that, um, I think Akpom needs a second person with him because yesterday really did prove that no, with no one near him, he was so limited and we were trying to play a long ball uh, to Akpom and he was never going to win that, like, ever. So it was pointless. We needed to... But the one time that we did get someone near him, we created a chance. Um, but, you know... Enough said about that game uh, on Saturday. Uh, but yeah, I would agree. It's probably better than, than last season. But let's look ahead to Preston then really quickly because the lowest scorers and the joint best defence. Um, uh, apparently, the Preston, well, looking at the Preston fans, are saying, uh, is this team trying to bore us to death? Um, <laughs> so it's it's Preston 5-0. Nice. So it's easy. Uh, but we do have an opposition show coming out on Thursday and Tom Green hosts it. So it's a very good show as well. So uh, watch that on Thursday. But let's have some predictions then because... Last last year it was horrendous, uh, but fans left the stadium still happy, even though they got thumped. Uh, now you know we're in twenty first position, and a bad result could be devastating. Uh, so here's your, let's hear your predictions. And Tom, what are you going to go for? Well, I'm going next week, and I've been to two away games this season. They've both been one note to the other team. Um, that was Redden and Coventry, and I'd completely right. forgot about Emil Reese playing for Preston uh, until Dan has just mentioned it there. So it'll probably be one nil Preston uh, with Emil Reese scoring. I always think you're going to say Emil Heskey. I don't know why. Um, <laughs> He'd probably score as well. Let's face it. Probably because yeah, I'll never forgive him for that goal at Wembley uh, for Leicester uh, in ninety ninety or was it 90, I can't remember, I've just got my 90s mixed up. 96, anyway. 97, was it? 96, 97, yeah. I always get my 90s mixed up. Uh, Dana, where are you going to go for? Um, yeah, I mean, we've spoken about Preston not scoring. I mean, it was 4-2, was it, between them and, and Blackpool? Uh, was it yesterday or the day before? I can't remember. Yesterday. Um, so, they've, I mean, they conceded four, they scored two. I think they'll probably revert back to their usual um, low scoring, low conceding self. I'm going to say 1-0 Preston. I don't like us playing at Deepdale. I feel like it's always... I was going to say it's always quite tight. I, th- I feel like I erased that uh, 4-1 game at the end of the season from my memory, but it's. I don't feel like it's a place where Borough have much luck. So I'm going to say 1-0 Preston for me. Okay, very optimistic from years both. Um, and I'll <laughs> ramble off and say, I think we might, if we have a new manager in, new manager bounce, 2-0 Borough then we'll be happy. And then we can say a really nice podcast uh, next weekend. But guys, (laughs) thank you very much uh, for joining me as always. And to the listeners and the viewers, thank you very much for watching and listeners as well. But it's a a tale of two boroughs at the moment, but another tale is going to be written uh, with a new manager coming in. But this has been the Borough Breakdown podcast. And that was like a Borough Mash Day chatter in a pod. Up the Borough Breakdown.